You said you have a starter? I have an idea for one. Is it going to be terrible? I don't think so. Okay. You just got to roll with it when I start with it. All right. You ready? No. Uh, well, good. Hold on. About your nose there? Mm-hmm. What? All right, we're about four feet. We got to go two more feet back. We got to go wider here. We can't start until oh we're six God, feet apart. The six foot thing. <laughs> that was so bad, John. So bad. So bad. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all I got. <laughs> so, uh, what happened to your face? Nothing. You Why? Just, I don't know. You just got a lot uglier. Oh, because <laughs> oh, I shaved. No, I've seen you shave before. Oh, You're still then, ugly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You haven't drank enough yet. That's oh, there you go. <laughs> Man, uh, what a weird week. Uh, <laughs> yep. I, to say the least. I would like to just address something really quickly, uh, mm-hmm. at least my personal thoughts about kind of the last week here before we get into oh, yeah. our topic of the day. And I left my thoughts in the after show last week, so I'm okay. going to leave them right there. And Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and the, the political climate that we have a little bit. Mm-hmm. You'll notice on the Wheelan page on Facebook and Twitter and things like that, we're having a little bit of fun with some <laughs> funny 4x4 comments yeah. and things when there's various state addresses and things like that. I love uh, that. We're having a lot of fun <laughs> with it. There's a lot of comments. That does not mean that we are insensitive to the uh, the happenings of the world. Um, you know, some people might believe that things are overblown. Some people think that we're there. We're not taking it seriously enough. I don't think that anybody can really conclusively say at this moment, but one thing that is true. And I believe myself and John, I don't know, maybe you do, or maybe you don't, but Mm -hmm. I believe that laughter is the best medicine for everything in the world. I think alcohol helps too. Well, there you go. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we're going to continue with some of our funny antics through this whole thing, and, it, like it. and it does not mean um, that we are, you know, we're 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 just trying to give people a laugh. That's yeah. what we're trying to do. That's part of our job here at Wheelan is we're educational, we're informative, but we educational. try to what? Well, with the history <laughs> stuff we do, but we we try to oh, be yeah. funny yeah. a little bit sometimes. I, I just got to know one thing: Did you ever get an answer about stuff in thirty sevens under the excursion in your? Uh... The one comment on the Trump not, speech? Yeah, not from Trump himself. Oh. Uh, Mike Pence, though, got back with oh. me. and Because no. <laughs> nobody wants to listen to him anyways. <laughs> nice. But uh, no, that was uh, some guys like that. But today's that was awesome. the uh, Toyota Land Cruiser one. I was like, bring this set Because we, we did that a couple episodes <laughs> yeah. back where we talked about the 70 series mm-hmm. and the solid axles and how we need them here in the U.S. Yeah. And, Guys were like, you know, heck yeah, you know, we need this, and not all heroes wear capes. And that's awesome. Oh yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. So <laughs> nice. Um, as, as of this recording, I think we're over twelve thousand like nice. views or something on that one. So or, or likes or whatever. But very cool. All right, man. You want to talk about some vehicles today? Sounds good to me. Let's do it. Yep. It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. Broadcasting from the Thin Line Off-Road Studio, they're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up, here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. All right, so we've explained ourselves 
and where we stand, humor, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But we can still take things seriously sometimes, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that I, I would like to take seriously here is we're a 4x4 show. We're yes. an off-road show. And some of you may have heard of the term a bug-out vehicle. Now, bug-out vehicles, I'm sure you've heard of the term before. Yeah, it's uh, just a vehicle that's bug-free. Yep, exactly. Yeah, no, no, no electrical nuisances, no little critters inside. And definitely not one of those old wood-bodied station wagons, because those get termites. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you may need to frame rot. <laughs> um, a bug-out vehicle, you know, is... Wait, is that where we get the term, put it to the floorboard? Put it to the floor. Oh, yeah, from wooden floors, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely, okay, cool. like in the old, uh, old Model A's, Model T's, they were wooden floors. <laughs> yeah. um, correct, yes. <laughs> a bug-out vehicle is... I, I, there was probably a technical definition out there somewhere, mm. but this is beyond a, it's a survival vehicle. Yeah. And that's kind of also what an overlanding vehicle is. And if you go all the way back into, I think it was episode five or six, we talked about early on, yeah. overlanding and the history of overlanding. Yep. A bug out vehicle in, in a way is an overlanding yeah. vehicle. A lot of times it's a vehicle you can survive out of for a extended period of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, some people take bug out vehicles to the next level, though, where they make things bulletproof or they make things kind of like we talked about in the SUV Kings episode, yeah. episode three with the Carlman King, where you could get the bulletproof option. Yeah. That'd make a pretty interesting bug out vehicle. That would. It sacrifice a fuel mileage, but. <laughs> well, yeah. And so I thought maybe you and I should bounce some ideas today back and forth off of each other as to what we feel. And your idea, my idea might be completely different what the ultimate Possible. bug out vehicle would be and how to prep your rig for Armageddon end of the world uh, a global pandemic what, what <laughs> whatever you and and we're not profiteering off this no, so because no. but it's the topic at, at hand and some people some of our listeners may have never really thought about that before like yeah. if if I've got to survive zombie apocalypse style mm -hmm. out of my vehicle, what am I going to put in it? I got kind of a plan B. But you got yeah. a plan B. Okay. Sort of. <laughs> well, um, so I guess maybe the easiest place to start with this is the obvious. I personally... Air and, conditioning. Well, okay. <laughs> That's not the obvious in my opinion. Oh, oh. Here, um, yeah. I personally do not believe that a efficient, effective bug-out vehicle... Mm -hmm. Can be two wheel drive. No, no, there's there's no way. <laughs> I, I, I think that every wheel, every axle that you have on that vehicle. So if you've got a six wheel a six wheel vehicle, mm -hmm. I think they all need to drive. Yeah, I could see that. And on top of that, I think that they all need to be locked so you don't have the slippage on an axle. So because you got to remember when you get an off camber situation, like let's say. Uh, Let's say you're going down the freeway, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the freeway's blocked because of whatever, a volcanic eruption or a, um, dinosaurs or whatever, you know? Yeah. And you've I mean, got... that's a big concern up here, especially. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you need to go off the side of the freeway and through a ditch. Mm -hmm. If you've got only power to one front wheel and one rear wheel, you got a pretty good chance, even with a four-wheel drive vehicle, oh, yeah. of getting stuck in that yeah, ditch. Yeah, absolutely. So... I'm thinking lockers front and rear. So that's 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 my platform. Starting mm -hmm. with that, lockers in every axle and four-wheel drive. No two-wheel drive vehicles. I would agree with that. Okay. So what what you think would bring, I mean, 
we'll talk about some of the smaller stuff that you'd put in the vehicle. But if we're talking about platform, wh- where would you be, John? What's your something solid frame? I think that'd probably kind of go hand in hand with multiple axles like that, though. Just some if you fall and crack, you know, there's there's a chance you can recover from that with a full frame or repair it. You know, you, you take something like a unibody, it's you know you're gonna tweak it and torque it to the point it's just gonna fail. So what you're saying is, even even if it's a unibody, whatever you have needs to be structure, structurally yes. strong. Yes. yes, yes, absolutely. You need to have something that isn't going to tweak and bend. Yeah. And so, for example, you know, as much as we love our Jeep XJ Cherokees, mm-hmm. unless you're going to stiffen that frame up, it's probably not the best long term solution. Because part of part of uh, being efficient bug out vehicle is the ability not only to necessarily have to push through, say, disabled cars mm-hmm. or debris in the road, like in a tornado situation. Yeah. Or let's say you had a bunch of debris in the road, you know, and you mm-hmm. needed to push through it. You need to be able to do that. But you may end up being in a in a somewhat high speed situation where you have to do some high speed off roading. Yeah. So you got you've got a let's say a tornado behind you. <laughs> Or you have, mm-hmm. you know, uh, high-speed zombies or whatever behind you. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. Aliens chasing you. You know, so we're gonna need a tail gunner now on this as well. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get we'll get to the protection end of this thing. But, um, you know, if you're in a in something that's that's soft structurally, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you have to say go yeah, right you start off the road that down with supplies and people, and, and go off the road yeah. into big bumps and big whoops. Yeah. You don't want to bend in half at 30 miles an hour. Not particularly, no. No. <laughs> so <laughs> no, so solid, solid frame, good suspension. I think, again, that kind of goes hand in hand with the, the axles. Yeah. Um, you know, the next big thing I'd say, and I know what I want to say to this, but I know the opposite is true, or more true. I would say like an old mechanical diesel engine. Oh, absolutely. But. But fuel availability i mean yeah with that you can run it on you know oil fuel oil diesel you can you know convert them to run on veggie oil waste oil all that kind of stuff but generally speaking in a lot of places gasoline would i would think would be easier to get at least initially and you know there there are people that will go back and forth on that so Mm -hmm. and and that's why i say I, i would lean towards the diesel because you can use there's such a wider variety of whatever you can dump in the tank and make it run on. Well, the old deuce and a halfs had multi-fuel engines in them. Oh, really? And a multi-fuel engine was a mechanically injected engine. I don't know exactly how it worked. And some of our military folks or deuce and a half mm-hmm. enthusiasts out there can correct us or tell us about it. But I know that you could run them off of diesel, jet fuel, uh, hmm. JP9. You could run them off of motor oil. You could run them off of gasoline. But I believe, and maybe producer Andrew could even tell us, um, because I know that he was involved um, with a, a first responding agency that had some of those way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um but I believe when you run them off of gasoline, you have to put in uh, some oil or something because it's just too thin on the multi-fuels. Okay. Um, it, it, producer Andrew saying he doesn't know either. Um, yeah. I've personally never messed with one. I've yeah. known people that have had them. Mm-hmm. So, But the multi-fuel engine, yes. Now, for what you're saying, um, gasoline versus diesel. Mm-hmm. A mechanically injected diesel engine, 
such as, say, a Mercedes diesel that you have in your Jeep <laughs> uh-huh. or a 12-valve or a 4BT Cummins, mm-hmm. pretty much anything that burns that you can put in that tank mm-hmm. that's not going to clog up your fuel filter, it will run on. It'll run on kerosene. Yeah, and that, it, that's why I like the idea of is anything that's oil-based, yeah. it, you can run it. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. You can't do yeah. that with a gasoline engine. No. You can't just take all of a sudden and start putting... I mean, no. with a gasoline engine, you might get away for a little while running some E85 in it. If it's not an E85 vehicle, mm-hmm. it's going to run hot and start burning stuff up. Yeah. But, you know, that's about it. Oh, yeah. And so with a diesel engine... Yeah, but keep that in mind. Like John's saying here, a mechanical diesel engine. Yeah, not not a modern, an yeah, old one. Pretty much something made up to about 1997 or so. Yeah, and that's that's kind of my like I said, my plan B. Yeah, there's some electronics in Pegasus, but it's just a matter of switching a couple wires around, and I have full functionality of that vehicle in an SHTF situation. Yeah, so that, that that's what I like about that. And no. that that's the reason too that our own military, U.S. military. Mm-hmm. For many years, and they still have in operation mechanical diesel engines. Nice. Most vehicles, most I, Humvees. I wasn't aware of that. I thought they kind of all switched up. No, they're, they're almost cool. all military vehicles are diesel. Nice. And on top of that, almost all of them, up until recently, were mechanically injected diesels. Nice. They are now starting to do some EFI stuff. Mm-hmm. They're messing around with a few things, but uh, they still have a lot in their fleets that are mechanic, yeah. and and I believe they're going to keep a lot of them in service just because of that. Yeah. And another reason, and this is going to sound like a really crazy reason, but an EMP. I was sit- just going to say that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, that's part of my plan B. A couple wires and everything's mechanical on that. Yeah. That's why I, I love it. <laughs> now, in an EMP situation, uh, for our listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about there, an electromagnetic pulse. Um, an electromagnetic pulse could happen um, naturally. From mm-hmm. a, uh, a big solar flare, a big solar flare. Yep. it could also happen um, by uh, some sort of terrorism, mm-hmm. where somebody creates a device that can do that. Um, and it's not science fiction. This this stuff. No, this really, is very real. This is very, very real. real. This happens. Yeah. And an electromagnetic magnetic pulse can, for a moment of a couple of seconds to a couple of minutes, days, or even weeks, depending yeah. on how strong it is, can take out the ability for electricity to travel. Mm-hmm. So even if you have, say, like an old 350 Chevy gas engine Mm -hmm. that still needs electricity to run the distributor, an EMP is going to take that engine out. A diesel engine, an old mechanical diesel engine, Mm -hmm. does not require any electricity to run. Nope. (laughs) Now That's the beauty of it. Here's your problem, though, is your transmission. I'm all good there. (laughs) They eventually, so a manual transmission. Yep. There's no electronics. Nope. <laughs> Automatics, pretty much by the mid-90s, they started putting all these electronic controls on your transmissions. Yeah. So your transmission might not shift if it's not a mechanical. So if you're building a rig and you're building a you know a zombie-proof rig here, mm-hmm. if you're going to go with a mechanical diesel engine, you then want to go with a mechanical transmission, either a manual or something like an old TH400 automatic mm-hmm. or an Allison automatic. Something that can be shifted manually. Something that to. can be shifted yeah. manually, yeah. Well, or just it shifts automatically, but me- but through hydraulic oh, pressure, yeah. not I through electronics. Yeah, the older the older automatics were that way. The, yeah. the disadvantage is most of the um, non um, overdrive, or I'm sorry, mo- most of the automatics that are non electronic don't have an overdrive. Yeah. There are some exceptions, like the TA or the uh, 700R4 GM transmission mm-hmm. and uh, some of the Allisons and things like that. 
So you know, you'd know, you want to, if you need the overdrive, because you're going to go high speeds, but that's typically not what a bug out vehicle is about. Bug no. out vehicle is about being Getting able to- somewhere safe, exactly. maintaining that. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I didn't mean to go right to drivetrain, but I think that that oh, was no, important. Oh, that, no, that's that we, kind of the next step anyways. Yeah. I mean, you, you st- we've, we've kind of gone down up. Now we got to go front to back. <laughs> well, true. Um, <clears throat> you know, we talked a little bit about the axles. I think wheels and tires are important too. Oh, absolutely. And Absolutely. That I mean, that's kind of what makes it all happen. You know, it, you, you put slicks on there. Like you said, you got to go off-road, you're, you're screwed. <laughs> um, the next step beyond just a good, say, off-road tire, like a mud tire, mm-hmm. would be to go to a beadlock. Yes. To keep your tire on the rim. Yeah. A run flat if you're and fortunate enough to be so equipped with. <laughs> exactly. And then a run flat on the inside, yeah. like a, a Hummer H1 surplus wheel. Mm-hmm. Or some of the bigger twenty-inch military stuff. Yeah, can do that. You get those ones that have the like the square tread blocks in them. Those are nice. Exactly. Those are. I I had a hard enough time when we were messing with the one rubber run flat. I couldn't imagine trying to put one of those things. Oh, they'll probably split though, aren't they? What's that? The the ones that have like the fingers on them, the run flats. Yeah. Are those are like in two pieces, aren't they? Yeah, the magnesium okay. ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As I say, is I. Hard enough time with a rubber one. I don't know how in the world you'd get a solid one of those inside they the tire together. without ruin it. Yeah, see, that, that would have been much easier. Yeah, they are. They are. The rubber ones suck. You know, and people <laughs> say, well, wait a minute. Why would I need to run flat? Maybe I'll just carry a couple spares. And I've seen that where people have said, I've got a bug yeah. out vehicle, and they put like six spares on the roof. Yeah. Well, now you're sacrificing weight and other storage, though. Weight, storage, and time possibility, you know. And if you're time in a situation where you're... profile. Yeah, and if you're getting away from something in a high speed situation, you've got or not even high speed, but you got somebody at your tail. Yeah, you are, and you blow a tire. You're not going to pull over and ask <laughs> Mister Bad Guy, no, to wait while you change your tire. <laughs> no, that, that's so, not how that works. So, in my mind, in my world, run flats beat uh, spares. Oh yeah, all day if, long. If you can make it happen, absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. So that that's a, a good thing to have. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we take a break, John. Mm-hmm. W- this is a debate that is that has gone on in the bug out vehicle world mm-hmm. for a long time. Slow and quick, or I'm sorry, small and quick, or big, massive that you can carry a lot of stuff with you. Small and quick. You like small and quick for you your bug out away. vehicle. For your bug out if vehicle. If you're trying yeah. to get away from somebody or something, you can get away. If you got something big. Chances are who or whatever is going to catch up to you. Now you have to defend it. Mm-hmm. So can you? You know, that, that depends what you're carrying. You know, See, equipment and supply-wise, it's it's totally dependent. I tend to lean that same way with you as well. And mm-hmm. that's that's kind of like the overlanding crowds. The, the, yeah. the true overlander um, world, they even have a hard time, even though they've been embracing in the last couple of years the full-size truck mm-hmm. platform. In many parts of the world, getting down certain streets or yeah. certain trails with a full-size, full-width mm-hmm. truck can be quite difficult. And that, that's another good point in that note. You know, if the SHTF scenario we're talking here, if you're bugging out three months, six months down the road, you know, roads aren't maintained, trails aren't maintained, they're going to start to overgrow. You got a big honking truck full of spare tires. You're dragging on the sides. You're catching stuff. You risk getting stuck. And the hev- the heavier you are, the more chance you are of yeah. bogging down. Yeah, you got something light and small. You know, if you're making supply runs, you're going to make a couple more runs. 
but you're going to be able to do that a lot faster, a lot more efficiently than with a big truck. Now, when you're talking, you know, let's do that for the next section. Let's take a okay. quick break, and I want to talk about another section of that that still goes on the small vehicle versus big vehicle. Sounds good. See you in a minute. There's never just one of them. When you see one yellow jacket buzzing around, you can bet there's a whole colony somewhere nearby. Sometimes in nests as large as a basketball, yellow jackets and wasps are bold, they're aggressive, and their stingers definitely hurt. So don't let them become a problem around your home. Call ABC Home and Commercial Services. They're the best in pests. ABC Home and Commercial Services. Call them today, 810-794-5678. We're talking about work pens, right? Yep. Writing utensils. Absolutely. I showed you that pen that I have, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's nice. Cheers. Doesn't beat the free pilot pens from where I used to work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the only thing I miss about there is getting these nice pens. I'm down oh, to my yeah. last, like, three. <laughs> Anyways, man. Um, oh, that's good. So the point that I wanted to bring up right now, though, and this is a, one of those kind of one way or the other, bulletproofing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a tough one. Small On a small vehicle, it's much more difficult. Yep. Plus the weight. That The weight is probably the number one thing is, that, you know, more drag, you're going to burn more fuel. I mean, people are bulletproofing with aluminum, thick aluminum panels now. So small caliber, sure. Yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is, is it you're not going to most likely bulletproof a Jeep Wrangler? No. Without swapping a bigger engine into it. Yeah. Real heavy duty suspension. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you talk. So if you're starting with a base, you know, a three quarter ton or one ton series truck, you can get away with a little bit more in that department. Mm -hmm. However. I mean, it's I would so argue, hard to say. I would argue if you're going to go full size, you might as well go something with a real heavy chassis like a F450, F550, yeah. or a Dodge 4500 or 5500, because yeah. that way you've got something that'll really hold oh, yeah. the weight. And if you're gonna if you're gonna go big scale, I would say yes. Yeah. If you're gonna go small scale, if it's an absolute necessity, you know the bare basics. Yeah. You know, maybe the windows, unless we're talking no windows, just like plates in the doors. Guard your fuel tank, guard your engine. There you, you go. Know, maybe put a plate in the door just in case, but you're adding so much weight to that. All your benefit of fuel is is gone. And so that's, and yeah. In those situations, the ability to get fuel is going to be your number one problem. Exactly. And, you know, parts and repairs, obviously, but that's... That we could probably go on a whole thing about that. Absolutely, <laughs> you well, know, they, you need to be mobile. I am glad so. you mentioned like the fuel tank guarding. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very important. Oh yeah, um, from underneath shields, it helps not only for off road, mm-hmm. hitting rocks, things like that. Yeah, but also um, IEDs, um, explosives underneath. Not saying it's going to one hundred percent protect you. If we're getting to that degree, but no. some sort of shielding on the bottom of the <laughs> yeah, tank is better help. than nothing. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Better than just having an exposed fuel tank there. Yeah, you know, like you said, if someone's chasing, shooting at you, you know, gets one off, hopefully you'll get lucky and it'll just puncture the tank and not ignite it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously you'd rather protect it and not have, you know, leak out all your fuel and everything. Exactly. Speaking so. of guarding, I think that guarding the front of your vehicle, especially mm-hmm. the radiator area. Yes, absolutely. And kind of integrating in that same radiator area guarding the front of the vehicle something that is strong enough 
that you can ram, say, a parked car at yeah. uh, five or ten miles an hour. Yeah, we're not expecting you to be able to go fifty miles an hour into something. No, you're 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 going to be hurting. After yeah, that. it's not like the movies where they do that. No, you know, and they go along no. and they hit it and just flies to the side. Uh, yeah, even if you got half inch plate, you're going to be hurting. Like, you oh said. yeah, oh yeah. But being able to weld some solid steel front bumpers, mm. something that especially... Extra lighting in the front. Protect, yeah, extra yeah. lighting's not a bad idea. This yeah. is when the light bars actually come in. Absolutely. Uh, but something to protect your radiator. Your yeah. radiator is the most so vul- vulnerable overlooked. thing. Yeah. You know, you still have to have airflow, so unfortunately you can't always completely block it. Two but- pieces of expanded steel that are staggered away from each other mm-hmm. in front of a radiator. That's it's a lot of times what the military vehicles do, things yeah. like that. It seems simple, but it actually really works. It'll yeah. stop small arms fire. It'll mm-hmm. stop rocks, sticks, brush. Yeah. You know, not a bad way to go. Yeah, just, just some sort of basic protection for what keeps it going. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, small vehicle versus big vehicle, it's going to change. Yeah. You know, at this point, aesthetics doesn't matter. <laughs> You got to go with functional. You got to go with what works. Now, speaking of armoring, um, I'm going to give a hack out there to our listeners Mm -hmm. that you can actually do. Um, And this came back from way before people thought about bug out vehicles. Mm -hmm. This came from the old demolition derby days and it was eventually outlawed. (laughs) Okay. And this is something that you can do as a cheap way and simple way to bulletproof your vehicle Mm -hmm. in, in a certain extent. But once again, you need to consider about weight. And so a heavier duty suspension of springs is a good idea. Yeah. But you can pour concrete into body panels. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the old demolition derby days, they would do that. They would they would pour concrete um, or they would, you know, get like hydraulic cement, run mm-hmm. it real thick, inch to two inches on the inside of body panels. Yeah. And it would make the vehicles much more sturdy in a demolition oh, yeah. derby. They eventually made it illegal. And that that they outlawed pretty quick. I, they I did. used to read the rule books every year because I wanted to get into that. There were a lot of things people used to do back in the day that they outlawed pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And for just those reasons, they're too solid. Yeah. You know, for, for this situation, you know, no holds barred, but yeah, survival so, is key. <laughs> yeah, if you're thinking you're going to survive, you need to get yeah. so many miles, and you're afraid of being shot at yeah. or something like that, then, you know, getting a couple bags of quick, quick reet and pouring them in your yeah. door panels. I mean, yeah, it's it, it's crude, but it works. It, it works. That's all that matters. And, you know, the same thing is a lot of people don't realize bulletproof glass, but they think it's something special, that mm-hmm. it's just... Oh, the special glass you buy. Bulletproof glass is multiple panels of glass together. Yeah. So you can actually stack yourself mm-hmm. multiple panels of plexiglass, anything like that. You can make your own bulletproof glass. Yeah. You watch YouTube videos on how to do it. Um, you know, we're yeah. not we're not thinking bullets here, full on war or anything no, like that. This is Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're you know, and I don't think neither John or I believe that that we're going to be at, at that state anytime soon no no i mean i'd be around zombies <laughs> oh, okay all right all right uh so talking about all of that now if we're talking about for a bug out vehicle i think that the next thing that you really need to talk about is kind of supplies mm-hmm. now we did cover a lot of that if you go back in one of our old episodes and we talk about um your everyday trail carry or whatever yeah. i don't remember what episode that was uh, i want to say I, maybe I eight nine numbers yeah, it was around eight or nine, something like that. It's one of our earlier episodes. Yeah. 
Um, and John had a very comprehensive list about fire starters <laughs> and things like that. And so we don't really need to get into all of that again, because no. I think you and I covered that for 20 or 30 minutes in that episode. Uh, most of it was that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I think is important is the stuff that beyond your everyday trail carry for mm-hmm. an, an off-roader, what else would you... Look? Fuel and fluids. Well, yeah, you'd mentioned for, that before. For fuel. you and the vehicle. Yeah. Probably the number one. And I'll, again, some basic survival gear, fire starter, tent, or you know, a couple blankets, keep yeah. warm with, candle or something. Sure. You know, what, what was it they used to teach? A candle and a coffee can. And you can heat up a vehicle, like inside, keep it warm enough to not freeze. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, just stuff like that. Just your basic bare necessities. You and know. if you're so inclined to be a gun type of person, um, <laughs> you know, self defense, self defense of some sort. Mo- more, more important and most important note on that don't just have it to have it, train with it, learn how to use it. Correct. Correctly. Tra- tra- you know, yeah. find Practice. a CPL. You have, in fact, do a shout out. You have, a, we have a mutual friend that does yeah. CPL training now, so right? I'll give a shout out to my buddy Sean. Uh, we can post the information on 4x4 Talk later. Okay. So he and his dad are training through their company, Prime Defense, for home defense, CPL. Uh, I mean, it's an ever-expanding kind of realm of training and defense, you know, personal protection training. Okay. So you want to learn how to do it, take the class, get your license to carry, kind of get a home defense plan in place. So should something happen, you and, you know, everybody at home knows what to do. Yeah. And properly. You know, there's to have a gun is one thing. To know how to use it is another. Absolutely, I, and, I fully agree that the training yeah. with it, getting comfortable with Absolutely. it, is, you know, is you, a, you don't have to be a hundred percent. No, you have to know how to safely use it, how to safely store it. Correct. And you know, go from there. We won't get into the whole political thing about the guns we no. do here all day. No, absolutely. But if you're gonna have it, learn how to use it and properly. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I agree with go you. Go from there. Um, the, <laughs> the one thing I would say on guns is that uh, most for most people in a bug-out vehicle situation, mm-hmm. unless you're a total gun nut, yeah. um, one gun is probably sufficient for self-defense. Generally speaking, yeah. You know, it, it, if you, depending on what you have, it can double as a hunting rifle. Absolutely. Or hunting weapon. Yes. And that, I mean, unless you're, you can have a bow, you can use snare traps. There's so many different ways to hunt. Yeah. You know, this just makes it a lot easier. Well, what I was going to say is if you are going to have more than one gun Mm -hmm. in your bug out vehicle or, um, well, yeah, it would be gone because you wouldn't be talking necessarily about bows and arrows in this situation, but if you're going to have more than one, uh, a, a good rule of, or a good idea mm-hmm. is, you know, unless you're talking the difference between, say, a shotgun and a handgun, mm-hmm. if you're going to have multiple handguns, have them be the same caliber. Yes. And so that way That's you can carry thing. a certain amount of ammunition, 100 rounds, uh, 200 rounds, whatever yeah. you're going to carry with you. But that way it will go between the different guns yeah. that you have. There's, I'll, I'll just sum it up. There's some people I hang out with and we talk about this kind of stuff sometimes. And that is the number the one thing. The moms down at the uh, the park with the little kids and all that? Yeah, yeah. The, okay, the moms right. at the park with the kids. All right, there you um, go. <laughs> no, that, that's the biggest thing. You can have 30, 40, 100,000 rounds of ammo. Now you got to move. Mm-hmm. That, that's all of your storage space in your vehicle. Yeah. You know, to, to have that much ammo, to have a ton of supplies, 
is great if you're stationary. But if yeah. you got to move, it does you no good. So, so having 16 different calibers doesn't make a no, lot of sense. No, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I got 16 different guns. Everything's something different. All right, cool, great. You know, what are you going to defend yourself with? What is your road gun? What are you going to take with you when you got to go? For personal defense and everyday use... Um, something I was taught a long time ago when I took a CPL course, Mm -hmm. um, was that, uh, the ideal is to carry the largest caliber Mm -hmm. that you can accurately, consistently shoot with comfortably. Makes sense. Yeah. Because, um, larger the caliber, the more effective it's going to be going Mm -hmm. against an intruder or even say a bear or something like that. Yeah. And then, you know, so on the same note of that, this question comes up with anybody who's a gun nut. You know, and I'll the the three common nine millimeter, forty, forty-five. Okay. And for the sake of all this, fine rounds, yeah. To use. For the sake of this discussion, I'm going to take forty out of that equation. Just stick with nine and forty-five. Okay. You know, your opposite ends of the spectrum: a smaller, more capacity; larger, more power, less capacity. Oh, yeah. That you know also plays into it. It does. You know, you're talking something. Your typical. I don't want to say typical. Your nine millimeter, you're going to get a lot more rounds out of it, but it's not going to have the knockdown power of a 45. Exactly. Plain and simple. Exactly. So, you know, again, if you're a really good shot, go with something bigger. Yep. You know, if you're not as good, go with a smaller one. Now, I'm going to go the other end of this just for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're not comfortable with guns, mm-hmm. or you are not. Um, able to legally own guns because i'm okay. not i'm not going to <clears throat> suggest to people to do things illegally <laughs> yeah, yeah but of course for, what, for whatever reason mm-hmm. but you need to have something for protection mm-hmm. beyond say carrying a knife or a um a stick a stick or whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah i think i mentioned this on an old podcast before mm-hmm. but Believe it or not, a strange thing that can be used for personal protection, not that that's the idea, mm-hmm. and is 50-state legal, to the best of my knowledge, to have in your vehicle, mm-hmm. is a flare gun. Oh. Yeah, I could see that. Now, personally, I would never want to get shot with a flare no. gun. No. <laughs> no. But I've shut many of those off. But even it, you know, fun, let's right? say let's say you're out in the wilderness, you're completely stranded. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a flare gun can be useful. Yeah, at the same time, again, depending on the scenario, it could be detrimental. Yeah, well, saying yeah, saying yeah. where saying where you're at. <laughs> yeah, or but if you had say, uh, let's say a, a, a rabid animal coming at you or something. Oh, like yeah. that, shooting a flare gun in its direction, it's even if you don't hit it, a little bit better of a chance. Yeah, you're gonna have a little yeah. better of a chance. So it's just something. I, to I gotta think apologize. Of. I keep itching. I got a haircut and a shave in case you haven't noticed uh, before I came out here today. And it's. I thought you had the zombie virus. Nah, no, no, I didn't get the, the T virus. Is that mm. what it is, the T virus? I'm not sure. You know the movie I'm referring to? Oh, all right. Well, I'm you're, you're talking sure. Resident Evil. Yes, I think, yeah. I wasn't going to name grab them, but yeah. Oh, whatever. I love those movies. I don't care. I haven't seen They're any in a good. long time, but anyways. <laughs> okay. So, um, something we didn't touch on. I personally don't think it's as big of a thing to have in a bug out vehicle as it is in an overland vehicle mm-hmm. recovery equipment. Yeah. I think it's not a bad idea to have mm-hmm. maybe a winch or something, but it is a lot of weight and mm-hmm. a winch at the front of a vehicle that you may have to ram something with. You're going to damage the winch. Yeah. So per my personal thing is, is with a bug out vehicle, eh, winch, along. you know, yeah. Carrying something yeah. like a come along coffin hoist, some, you know, yeah. something like that with you. 
might be there's there's a video i know um producer andrew shared it to us in our our podcast chat the one day uh the rope and two logs thing <coughs> absolutely I don't, I don't know what that's called but yeah i've seen that before and i mean it's again one of those learn you know skills to learn for well, such a thing. that's yeah. something in a bug out vehicle would be very, very useful. Oh, yeah. Probably even more so than overlanding or anything else would be to carry with you maybe a couple hundred feet of high tensile rope. rope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good rope. Yeah. You know, you could use that for a number of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's the nice thing is anything you want to keep, you want it, you know, versatile. Yeah. You, you don't necessarily want just something that's only got one use. I mean, there's going to be stuff that is, but anything you can carry that's got multiple uses saves you space. And you know, let you have room for more supplies. Exactly. So exactly. Um, let's take another quick break, and then I think we just need to have maybe a little personal message here. Sounds good. Hey, it sounds like it's time to swap out that old engine for something better, John. Yeah, man. But I have so much into my trans and transfer case set up already. I don't want to change those two. Sounds like you need to call Quick Draw Brand Adapters. They specialize in conversion bell housings for nearly all diesel and gasoline engines, including the new 2.8R Cummins. You know, I like weird engines, though. I want something different. Then you definitely need to visit quickdrawbrand.com today. They have those hard-to-find parts. They also have used diesel engines available. You can call them at 513-446-9654. Cool, I'll do that. See what they have. Thanks. Well, John, um, did you have any other things that you wanted to mention briefly about bug out vehicles or anything? Not that I can really think of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the only, well, I guess we kind of already covered that. Well, we were talking pretty fast. We covered yeah, yeah. a lot of things. Um, I just want to slow down for a minute here and give a little bit of a personal message to our listeners because sounds good, Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> our listeners, we have listeners all over the world. Mm. I know that we have listeners in Greece. We have many listeners in Italy, mm-hmm. especially Italy. Right now, has their death toll has gotten to the point where it is higher than China. Yeah, we do have listeners in China. We have listeners in Australia. We have listeners all over the place. Um. This global event is truly that. It is a global event. And um, from me and from Johnny Orange here at Whelan, I think that we want to reach out. We want to offer our our ray of hope, our condolences. We want to continue to um, offer you this awesome show. We may have to, if there's different quarantine things or whatever, we may have to change our platform a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. But we're going to continue to do this. Um, but you know, we want all of our our wheeling fans out there and in the wheeling world to come together. And I would like to encourage them to, you know, we were kind of joking a little bit about bug out vehicles a little bit here, mm-hmm. and we we're saying different things. But this is an excellent, excellent time to reach out to your friends and your neighbors who are not necessarily into the off-roading world and things like that. Yeah. And if you have a knowledge of this stuff, because you're a fan, you listen to us, and you're, you're into off-roading, this is a great time to reach out to them and say, hey, um, let me teach you a little bit about how to recover yeah. your vehicle if it's stuck. Uh, if you know your neighbor is a total, um, you know, just 
indoor type or not indoor, but total non-mechanical person, and they don't know how to change a tire or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe hey, offer to help. offer to show them how to yeah. do that. Um, the off-road world has for a very long time been a survival world. Yeah, and if you can, you know, take and you know just use this time and th that we have going on right now to introduce or help however you can mm -hmm. um your your friends and your family and and the people around you um through your knowledge of the off-road world yeah then do that share it yeah john you got any messages anything you want to say i mean you pretty much hit it all on the head you know you know condolences to those who've lost someone and best wishes to those who are in a bad situation and don't know what's going on yet yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't know. We don't know no. if this is something that is way overblown. We don't yeah. know if this is something that is and really regardless serious. Regardless of that, a huge thanks to all the first responders, you know, medical personnel, absolutely. and everybody that's involved in it, whether they want to be or not. You know, huge thanks and appreciation to you guys. You know, and actually, I would like to and and thank you very much uh, yeah. as well um, from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, yeah. Thank you for saying that, John. Mm -hmm. um, I would like one last thing. John, and tell me if I'm speaking out of turn here, but we are in Southeast Michigan. Okay. okay. And John and I are both extremely knowledgeable in off-road recovery. We are extremely, John, probably even more so than myself, is very knowledgeable in um, proper usage of guns, how to shoot, <laughs> and uh, how to, you know, you know, personal protective type equipment, mm -hmm. um, basic survival type of skills. Now we are not doing this. You know, he, he plugged earlier his, uh, his friend or our friend that is doing the CPL courses. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not what we're doing here, but if anybody is in Southeast Michigan and they, they just really need somebody to, uh, show them the ropes in this world a little bit and some of the survival stuff, um, reach out to us, and if we can help oh, yeah. you somehow, um, whether we'll it's we can. well, yeah, over the phone or even meet you in person, whatever yeah. the case may be, um, because we're out there for the people too. This is, oh, yeah. you know, it's a family thing. It is a family thing, and yeah. you know, keep your family safe, and that's what we'd like to do. Yeah. But um, John, um, there's enough sombering thoughts. I think <laughs> uh, you know. I know you've got some messages that you like to always kind of uh, oh, yeah. say here at the end. So let me uh, hand the mic over to you. Sounds good. Well, if you guys have any questions or comments about any of our episodes or this one today, feel free to get a hold of us on our four by four talk page on Facebook. Leave us a message or comment. Uh, you can find that just quick search four by four talk or facebook.com/groups/4x4talk. Uh, for more bonus content, make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash wheelandradio. Get access to that as well as two bucks a month. And then if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to hit the thumbs up button at the bottom of the video player. And make sure to hit subscribe to see more content from us as we do it. And as always, thanks for listening and have a good one, everybody.